Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast for the sake of the child. Today, we're going to talk about veteran families and some issues specific directly towards veterans. My name is Tara Gleason. I am the spouse of an active duty service member, parent of three military kids. I'm a parent's parent educator and curriculum developer, and now podcast producer at the Military Child Education Coalition, and I am also your host. Joining me today is Rosemary Williams, and she is the executive director of Stop the Addiction Fatality Epidemic, or SAFE. Ms. Williams has also served in several executive positions, such as the Assistant Secretary of Public and Intergovernmental Affairs at the VA, and as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense, Military Community, and Family Policy at the Pentagon. Mrs. Williams, thank you so much for being here today, and can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your work? Thank you, Tara, and please call me Rosemary. I am the Executive Director of Stop the Addiction Fatality Epidemic, as you mentioned, and we're a brand-new startup nonprofit. Uh, we operate nationally. We try to make it easier, better, faster for families and communities to help fight the opioid epidemic, uh, particularly at the um, grassroots or grass tops level. It's very exciting work. And I work with our co-founders and co-chairs who are Admiral Winnefeld and his spouse, Mary Winnefeld. Mary is a longtime advocate for military families. And Admiral Winnefeld, of course, is the former vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So how did you start working with military families and veteran families? Where did that work begin? Well, thanks for asking, Karen. It's a good question, and it's a question I get asked a lot. I met my husband late in life. I was 45 when I got married. So when John, uh, John's a U.S. Marine, and when uh, we married, his last deployment was my first deployment. And he individual augment which means that he was drawn into an operation that was not close to home for those folks not familiar with it. So I was feeling somewhat isolated. It was a very difficult time, particularly at a time in my life when I was so self-sufficient. So after that experience, I got into the military family movement and started uh, working with nonprofits, and that led to an appointment uh, by President Obama to help to serve at the Veterans Administration and then, excuse me, Department of Veterans Affairs. It hasn't been Veterans Administration since 1955. And uh, then to the Department of Defense to help with military families. So that's how I got started. It's been a really exciting uh, career change for me. I spent over 20 years at NBC News, working in 24-hour news at MSNBC. So very much a fast pace, but very different mission. Well, we appreciate all the work that you've done. I've been doing a little research uh, on what you've been doing. So I'm excited for you to share with us some of that knowledge that you've gained over these years. So you are a nationally recognized expert in several critical issues affecting veterans and military families. You are also a military spouse, as you mentioned, and there are more than 200,000 service members transitioning out of the military every year. So in your opinion, what issues that affect our veterans and military families should we focus on right now? 
Well, that's actually a pretty easy answer, to be honest. Um, right now, it's the disconnectedness that comes with transition, frankly. Um, one thing that we've discovered is that um, getting out of the military is more impactful on behavioral health than we first anticipated. And we're seeing, while the, anecd- uh, the evidence right now is anecdotal, we're going to start seeing um, more evidence on the longitudinal side shortly. And it's a, it's a three-prong issue, if you will. It's loss of self-identity loss of mission, and loss of community. And these are three major protective factors for any person. So if you think about it, um, not just the service member goes through this transition, but also the family and the children as well. So how can we bridge that gap? How can we get the service member and their family um, to self-identify back into some level of service, find and build their own community, and live live well and um, without risk, if you will? So what advice would you give to families who are actually going through that transition with those three things in mind? Well, first, you know, every family is different. I will say that. And so the, you know, take all my advice with a grain of salt. But certainly spouse employment is something every family should look at. Um, before the service member transitions out, identify what are the expenses that are going to come with this this new life in, in the civilian world. Child care, which is subsidized by Department of Defense when you're in is um, um, 98% of childcare in the military is uh, nationally accredited, the safest, best you can get. Not so much out in the, that's only 8 to 10% in, um, outside, the, outside the military. So you have to be, if you want quality daycare, just as an example, it's going to cost more money. So um, people just be ready for expenses. And what does that mean for a spouse employment? Sometimes if the spouse has a really good job before transition, it makes the transition for the service member easier. The pressure is off. They can find a job that's best for them. Uh, when you talk about employment, also understand that, and this is really foreign to a lot of folks who serve in uniform, your first job is probably not going to be your last. And, um, you know, sometimes it's not a good fit. Sometimes you want to try something new, the environment. Uh, sometimes people decide well, living in San Diego is more expensive than I thought, and this is not a good idea. Or, hey, living near your family seemed like a good idea, and <laughs> maybe it's not. Um, I don't want to be stuck behind a desk, or I've always wanted to be a pastry chef. I mean, it runs the gambit. So you want to make sure that um, spouse employment is a box that you want to check off in case you need it, but also keep an eye on your finances. Um, the other thing is that I get very familiar with Military One Source. Military One Source, um, 24-7 uh, behavioral counseling available to a military family. You get 12 visits per issue per person for no cost. It helps you with your move. It will help you get healthy with um, um, health coaches. It will help you with your resume. It will help you um, if you whatever you can think of. It will help you. And through some legislative action. Military One Source will be available not just six months after a family separates, but for a full year. We've discovered that it's after six months that the troubles within a family start to manifest themselves. And best to take care of family issues as they pop up so that they don't manifest themselves into something more serious. So definitely get definitely get familiar with Military One Source. Even if you don't, if you're a spouse and you don't think you need a career or a job. Register with the um, military spouse program anyway, just in case you do, and so they're ready to help you when it's needed. I mean, I cannot overestimate um, the help that Military One Source provides and the value of it to military families. 
And I'm glad you brought it up because I think some veteran families didn't, I mean, I actually didn't realize that they still qualify for six months and that now they're going to be able to be able to utilize that up for one year. So I'm glad that you brought that up because some think it's only for active duty. I know. And, you know, this is a shame. So, you know, when I was at DOD, I worked very hard to make, to get military one source out of the witness protection program, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not enough people know about it. And when you, when it comes to the transition assistance um, program that uh, all service members go through, military one source is often not ma- mentioned. And I, I, you know, I do, as a former bureaucrat, I do feel it's worth noting that while we would love to put everything in the TAP program. If we did, it would be about 20 hours long. So I understand why you have to cut, but I don't understand why we can't do a better job of telling transitioning service members and families about military wants More to the point, transition assistance program is not mandatory for families. It is on a ad, uh, space available basis. And I will tell you that as a service member, he or she is really diving into resume building and how to dress for success and planning for finances so that military one source is kind of off to the side. If you told mm-hmm. the families, I do think that they would be a little bit more successful about how to get that word out. Now, the folks at Department of Defense right now are working really hard to get that, um, get that word out. So I'm encouraged by it, but also re- keeping in mind that military families operate on a vibrant peer network. So the more spouses and family members who talk about it to other spouses and family members, then the word will get out. I didn't know about it either, ironically, when um, when John transitioned out. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy that you brought it up today because hopefully we can get the word out in this podcast. So you, you touched oh. on some of this, but what are some of the roadblocks that veteran families have encountered as they're transitioning out? Roadblocks. I would say one of the larger roadblocks, and there's no easy solution, is the larger population not understanding military service and not understanding military families. And it shouldn't be relevant. And honestly, it's, it's, it's not when you talk about why people serve. But there is a disconnect. So it's that disconnect, I think, that is a bit of a roadblock. You want people to be empathetic. You want people to find value. It's how we self-identify. My husband, for instance, you know, if someone says my husband served for 30 years and now he's retired and he's going to work for such and such contractor, that conversation can be very confusing to the uninformed. Well, if he's retired, he looks so young and he's working again. Why is he working again? And it's just, it's not an easy conversation to have with folks who are at the uninformed. So we try not to assign value to what we do by how other pe- others think of us. But at the same time, you also want to be acknowledged for, you know, really sticking it out for decades in a very difficult time and a very difficult job. So we, as we talked about earlier, I'd say settling into a community as no longer connected to a military community, no longer having a life that is connected to a very specific and important mission and um, how you self-identify is very, very difficult. We're finding that the folks who are really successful in it, I know that you know, my own husband, John, you know, his transition was very typical of everybody else. It took him a while to discover that he is truly of an entrepreneurial spirit. And once he started his own business under the Service Disabled Veteran-Owned Small Business uh, Certification, uh, he found his stride. 
innovative, and this is what we love about our service members, innovative thinkers, problem solvers, tenacity, overcome barriers with what looks like ease, but it's just plain old hard work. So very exciting, very exciting to watch, but it took, it was a journey and it was not an easy journey and it wasn't an easy journey for us as a family either. But once he found his niche, it was, it was clear sailing for the rest of us. Thank you for sharing that experience. I bet there's many others that can relate into that similar kind of scenario. Can you tell us some things you've learned since you've been at the DOD when it comes to military kids and transitioning to veteran status? I've discovered at DOD a couple of things about kids that I found remarkable. First of all, any interaction with extended family is a massive contributing factor to good mental health, even mm-hmm. if the even if the relative's a little wacky. In fact, if you've got grandparents who are spoiling your kids and letting them stay up late and eating ice cream all night and then running around in their pajamas all day, that's actually healthy for children. I can't, I'm not going to be able to explain it because I'm not an expert, but time and time again, our studies say when you have interaction with the extended family, obviously the exception is if the extended family member is dangerous, and of course that's a different thing. The other thing is that Talking to children, especially preteens and teens, is more about not talking and listening. Mm-hmm. So it's, they'll say something, you count to two, and then you ask a question, and then you listen. And you force yourself to listen and listen a, more, a little bit more and listen even more and ask prodding questions. Don't offer advice. Don't tell them what to do. And then empathetic statements. And we're finding that in the studies that, one of the studies at MTech, as a matter of fact, is that as much as children are spending on their personal devices, their iPhones, their iPads, parents are spending more. So that means if my head, if I'm a parent, my head is down, I'm not looking up. And if I'm not looking up, I can't hear. There's a thing called subvocalization, which means if I'm reading something, I can't hear anything. Oh, we make a big show about, oh, I can multitask, blah, 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 blah. Multitasking, as it turns out, is actually asbestos for the brain, and it's actually impossible to do. So you literally have to just sort of be sitting there and listening with your eyes and your ears and the direction of your face, to be honest, right? Um, However, having said that, I've heard a lot of parents say they'll be driving and someone will, the child will say something. Right. And it's almost as if they want to talk to you without looking at you. Awesome. Shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Yes, we call that yes. shoulder to shoulder communication. So, yeah, especially teams, we love found that. that either in the car or when you're doing something together, like washing dishes. So think shoulder to shoulder. Sometimes Laundry. if you sit across right. from them and make eye contact, especially males, they'll shut down. But if you are doing an activity together, or like you said, riding in the car, they're more liable to talk and open up about things. I love this. You have forgotten more than I'll ever know about this. But that's been my experience, too, when I was a kid. My mother would have the air quotes here, the conversation with me while we'd be doing laundry. You know, she's Mm -hmm. ironing, I'm folding. That's how old I am. That's back when mothers were doing ironing. And she would, that's when at the time, and it was perfectly comfortable for me because she wasn't staring me down and me squirming. Right. Yeah, that, that communication piece is absolutely critical. I recently read something that said even having your phone in view, like you, if you have it in your hand or out on the table, 
that it's going to be a distractor from that communication that you actually even have to just have it nowhere in sight when you're speaking mm-hmm. to yeah. other people. So it's really important. We really appreciate all that you've shared with us today. If people want to learn more about any of the topics you talked about today, I know you have a couple of sources that you reach out to folks. How can people find you? Oh, okay. Um, I'm, I'm imminently findable. <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter as Rosemary Report. I also send out a bootleg newsletter with all the information about military families and veterans. And just a quick story how that started. I was at, v- I was at DOD and uh, the military spouse employment program reached a milestone, 50,000 hires, two years ahead of Michelle Obama's goal. So I wanted to send out a press release. And DOD said, yeah, we don't do that. I said, what do you mean you don't do that? Well, our press releases are really about the secretary, what the secretary wants to say. And I said, well, I am sure the secretary would love to tell people this. And they said, yeah, no. So I started a newsletter, completely bootleg. I was, you know, I did it off my personal account, and it was just my personal views, and here's news you can use. It grew into something much larger than I thought it would. And now it goes around the country and in some parts of CONUS. And if you want to be on that newsletter, please just drop me a note, rosemary at rosemaryreport.com, rosemary at rosemaryreport.com, and I'm happy to sign you on to the newsletter. And so, I happened uh, upon that this week. It was shared again in that peer network that you talk about. Someone else, I told them I was going to be talking to you, and they're like, oh, I have a great newsletter from her. Would you like to read it? And I was like, absolutely. It was like one of your November newsletters, and I was like, this is full of great information. So I've actually come across that. That's why I wanted you to tell people. I'm like, people need to know about this. Oh, happy to. No, I love it. Come come join our merry band of marauders, our rule breakers, our, you know, <laughs> agents for change. And don't check my spelling, please, because that's No worries. This is a yeah. spelling a and parent, grammar are off the map. <laughs> no problem. As a parent of a dyslexic, I have no problem with that. I totally <laughs> get it. Again, thank you so much for sharing your expertise and your time with our listeners. Thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.